Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. But he needs to check himself before he wrecks himself right now a little bit and go, wait, I, I don't have all my mojo. Ice Cube 93, I think. Yeah, that was somewhere in there. I think College right. for me, right. maybe grade seven, school, seventh, eighth grade ish. Yeah. school for you. Yeah. Yo, 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 yo! What's up, hip hop historian That's Paul right. Burmeister, I I, right here? I, I don't know Bam. many things. Yes, but like eighties and nineties, right. like hip hop, rap. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Should, we should develop some kind of game here. We could do that. Yeah, we could do might that. Might blow your mind a little bit. Okay, I, bit. you might. It did that blew my mind because yeah. I don't think I would have came up with that one. And really? Yeah, yeah. Johnny Oldtimer over here got it before <laughs> me. All right, so I was disappointed by that. What's up, everybody? Chris Sims on Button, presented by Under Armour. The only way is through. How's everybody doing? Uh, you know what time it is. It's what the fuck happened Wednesday. What were we talking about there, anyways? Check you yourself. You know what time we're, it were is. Were we talking it's... about Urban Meyer there? Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Hold on a sec. <laughs> you know what time it is. It's Cool Modi, mid 80s. Oh, look at you. See, yeah, yeah. 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 So you really, you're really old school. You are, yes. <laughs> I derailed the Urban Meyer there. Okay. When did back. it go? So, why we're on this? When did yes. it go? When did you start to lose touch with the hip hop world? Like, I would say, I would say mid mid nineties. Like when they got to like Tupac and Notorious B.I.G. A little around know there. That, yeah, I, I know that era of a little course, bit. Yeah, yeah but it right. was more. It was more the uh, junior high, which we called it the Midwest, not middle school. Right. High school, college stretch. Yes. Right. And then something happened when I got to be like twenty three, twenty four. Just lost touch with it. Yeah. No, I hear yeah. you. It's easy to do. I mean, I'm I'm yeah, I lose touch. If it weren't for my kids, now I'd lose touch with a lot of. That's things. a way to be bad. It, it is. It yeah. gets me back into it. I literally like sometimes with like Pandora and we got Sonos in the house like yeah. on, a, on a Friday night. Where do you plug in? Well, I'm sometimes I'm like, hey, Philip, <laughs> what's your favorite song right now? And then I put that in. And of course, it just plays a bunch of things similar. And I'm like, damn, this is pretty yeah. good. Makes you feel yeah. kind of young. It does. It yeah. keeps you in the times. Amidst all the injuries that, that we're both dealing with. Yeah. So you're old. Yeah. Definitely old. Yeah. And I'm dealing with a hip problem. I know. That's killing I know. me. Killing yeah. me. So. Playing hurt. Yep. Let's get into it. We got a lot of good stuff to talk about. Of course, we're going to break down some big plays. Uh, we're going to give a little look forward to each of these teams and kind of what to expect for the next week and their matchups. Um, but I think we got some good stuff today and got some good plays that at least encompass the overall themes of some of the games and things we saw last weekend. Yes. And we'll see if it translates to the next week matchup and uh, going forward. We, so let's let's do that. We are learning how to use our first First round pick, the video. Boom. First Can't give round him like pick. 65 carries each game. No. Spread it out. Spread you know? it out. Yes. 15 to 18, <laughs> six to eight catches. So. Yes. Yes. We'll actually be talking the games before we get into the, the, the video that kind of punctuates the, yeah. the main points you want to make with right. each game. 
Right. So how about we begin with the Cowboys? Yeah, cool. Let's do that. All this attention to, to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and yeah. that was great. It was a wonderful game, but there were some super cool games and big-time themes going on on Sunday throughout. So Cowboys beat the Panthers, and the number one term that comes to my mind – Balance, yeah, 100%. balance offensively like no other team seems to have right now. I don't think any team is as balanced, you know, as the Dallas Cowboys. I'm just going to sit here and look at teams in general, but you know, at least not balanced to that capacity. That's yeah. that's the biggest thing. I mean, the Dallas can literally impose their will on you with either. But either or, like, oh, okay, we're going to run the ball here. We don't care what defense you're going to play. Boom, we're going to run it. You know, okay, hey, we're going to throw the ball, and we're going to decide we're just going to go down the field that way. I think that's the impressive thing about the Dallas Cowboys, certainly. I think you hit it, like, spot on. You know, other than that first game of the year against Tampa Bay, we've seen them run the ball pretty effectively on everybody. Um, they pass protect pretty well. But that's what makes them dangerous. And then, you know, again, that game I think is closer – than what it looked at one point. It got away from Carolina in that football game altogether. Hey, put it this way. This is going to say it's 14-13. They drive down the first drive of the second half and miss a field goal. It was a long field goal. It was like 52, 54 yards, right? But either way, they could have gone up 17-13 there. They leave those points on the board. Dallas goes down and score, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's 20-14 to Dallas. Carolina goes three and out. Dallas goes right down and scores again. So now it's 26-14, and then he throws an interception the next series, and they go down and score again. And I think that's what's scary about Dallas. They're kind of got one of those teams where I've said this already this week on, like, PFT. When they get a little mojo, they can start throwing up points as quick as anybody in the game. And ripping off a 40-yard run or ripping off a 30-yard pass, uh, they're as good as there is in, in that category on the offensive side of the ball. I'm glad you kind of brought up there in passing a little bit that game one against Tampa Bay. Yeah. Because even though they moved the ball, I mean, Dak threw the ball 58 times. Yeah. The three games since that they've won, right. Pollard and Elliott have had more rushing attempts than Dak has had passing attempts. Yeah, that's impressive. And I think um, you, you just ride that until teams continue to – until like, they figure it out. Until, or at least until, until you get them to get out of some of these defenses right now. And I would say that's what Carolina did where I think got them a little in trouble in this football game. They kind of tried to have the best of both worlds. Like, we're going to play a run defense, but like this guy responsible for this gap, we're going to make him also be responsible for something in the pass game. And like to explain that, like, all right, let's just say it's you and me, and I'm like a corner, and i got to right. play you as a tight end, right? Yeah. And, okay, I got, they got a two tight end set here. I'm playing you man-to-man as far as like in pass coverage, but then we're also going to ask you, hey, you got to be responsible for the D-gap here in between the both tight ends. Okay, so what if the defense ends a little outside, right? And now you have to block outside to go get him. I follow him out, right? You don't know if it's going to be a wide receiver screen or something of that nature. To now, okay, I follow you out, but now I'm too late to get to the D-gap in the run game. And I think that was a little bit of an issue for Carolina altogether in the football game too. You know, um, so, yeah, you know, to your point, Dallas is really damn good. I think their offensive line has found their mojo, and they're willing to do it either way. They're not going to, like, force it like, well, we want to throw and we want to get our receivers involved. Fine. You're going to play pass defenses. They're going to run the football. I was surprised with how they moved uh, Carolina around up front a little bit because Carolina has been pretty much immovable to this point. I know. I think they were the number one defense coming into that game. They, they certainly benefited from some of the quarterbacks that they played yeah. against. Yeah. Zeke Elliott, let's right. take a look here, yeah, Pete let's Christian, about you know some of the things he has done. First two games, okay, people wondering is you know what are they really going to get out of Zeke at this point in his career? Last two games, he's averaging over a hundred yards per game. I love the yards per attempt over six. I mean that doesn't happen very often, and it brings us to the question: 
How was the Cowboys' run game so dominant against Carolina? Do you think it was Dallas being so powerful or Carolina doing something wrong as well? No, I think it's Dallas being that powerful. I do. Um, yeah. You know, I think Carolina missed up, messed up a few run fits here and there that certainly didn't help them out. But I, I came away with it more going, no, Dallas won the battle. I mean, they didn't crush them, but they won the battle for sure. There's 100%, 100% that. Um, it's, it's just a good balance of running the right plays into the right looks. They seem to always block and get people up bodies on bodies. And then I, I'm amazed. I want to give the guy a lot of credit, Ezekiel Elliott. I really do. I came into the year thinking it, was, it wasn't going to be good. Yeah. I really didn't. You know, I, I questioned even in training camp, like, oh, we're going to lose weight and become a little bit less muscular. And, you know, my experience with those kind of guys is usually you lose your explosiveness. He hasn't. You know, so he's not going to go 60 yard touchdowns like we used to see Zeke in like first and second year, but he's certainly capable of ripping off 20 and 30 yard runs. And then you got a guy like Tony Pollard, who as soon as he sees the hole, he just puts his foot in the ground and runs like his hair's on fire. And they are a very good complement to each other that way. Yeah, they combine 30 carries for 210 yards. Anytime your backs are over 200 yards and they're averaging seven yards per carry between them, that is an unbelievable game on the ground. 47-yard touchdown run was really, I think, his defining moment. Yeah. Let me take a peek at that up yeah. here. Let's check that out. And uh, I don't think he scored a touchdown here, did he? But he got down that close. Yeah, he got down close. That's okay. Did, Paul's did allowed to score. misspeak. And he's allowed to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's check this out. I mean, I'm, first off, let's just sit here and admire the formation, right? You know, admiring the formation – you got two tight ends to the right. Of course, they got a lot of big bodies up front in Ezekiel Elliott. They bring Amari Cooper down in, down in the box to help block maybe the safety or the extra guy in the box. And then within doing that, this is what, a little bit what I'm talking about here. The right corner you see over there, Rashawn Melvin, is going to end up being responsible be, for the gap between the two tight ends we see to the right. And with that... Like, that's a, that's a no-no. I mean, that's what Dallas wants. Dallas wants Ezekiel Elliott one-on-one versus Rashawn Melvin. I mean, they're going, wait, he's either going to run him over. This, it's a corner. He's not a great tackler, nor does he want to do that. And, of course, since he has some man-to-man responsibilities and he came down with Amari Cooper, his, his eyes are first on that. He's got to protect, wait, what if Dak Prescott keeps the ball in his play action and Amari Cooper goes, it comes off and gives it like, I'm going to block, and then all of a sudden he runs a deep cross, right? So that was a little bit of the issue of the game. But here we go. I'm going to stand up. Simple, simple play. Really, one of my, I, I, this is one of my, you call this 34 double, 34 gap, whatever you want to call it in the NFL, all right? But basically what they're trying to do is get doubles across the board. And I hope I don't mess this up, but I think I'm going to get this right, all right? So uh, left guard, because they don't like where this is at right here, so they're going to give themselves a little bit better angle to double team. The left guard is actually going to kick out and take this defense end. Tyrone Smith's going to come down here with the center, and they're going to work to this linebacker here. All right. Then you got these two right here, right guard, right tackle. They're going to double team here, work up to this linebacker. One of them, it depends. You know, these are things, again, this is being well coached in the run game. We're going to double team, and we got to kind of figure out on the fly on the double team who's got the angle and now has to come off to get that second level guy. All right. And then you're going to have, I believe, the double team for the two tight ends who are going to then work up to, you know, uh, Jeremy Chin, the freak safety they got um, uh, from Carolina, and, and then Amari Cooper. So let me see if I think I did that right. I'm doing off that off the top of my head, <laughs> but let's just check this out here. Okay, yeah, so I'm right. 
And you see Amari Cooper here. This is A.J. Bouye, all right, who they got like three corners in the game here. Uh, or no, they got two corners. I'm, I'm, I'm right. They got the corners kicked over. But you see A.J. Bouye here. Amari Cooper is going to go get him. But as you see right here, now look, look, just look at it, the way it looks here. I mean, it's, it's body on body. There's not a free body on, on the field right now other than deep safety and Jeremy Chin, who we looked at here, who now has the two tight ends who are coming at him, and one is going to be able to fall off. And then you got Rashawn Melvin, like I said here, in the D-gap or E-gap, and that's what this play is for. It's basically, hey, let's get off the ball. Let's come downhill. Ezekiel Elliott's got very good vision. Let's let him just kind of pick a strong side hole and make the right cut, and let's see if he can make something happen. No, he ends up not really going through here. You know, he's first he's trying to ride it upfield, right? He sees a little gap here, but this is where Zeke's pretty special when he's playing good. He can, um, he's a pretty good jump cutter, as you can see right there. Very controlled, right? I mean, just jump cut to the right, jump cut to the left. Vision. Vision, yeah. right? Right here he's going, wait. Like, I got a body on a body here on Jeremy Chin. And Rashawn Melvin, even though I know I can run him over, why mess with him? Why? You know? So th then, then from that, you're going to see he's going to – let me clear it. He's going to pick the right hole. And, I mean, it's, it's easy pickings there. There it is. There it is. Yep. I mean, he's going to shoot up right there, and he's going to break out. And, you know, that's where Dallas is dangerous. They got a little bit of everything in the run game. And uh, it's pretty damn good that way. I just want to rewind one thing just to make sure I got this right. But I think I did. Okay, good, good. We're good. Uh, but th that, to me, was one of the, the themes of the game, more or less, was their ability to get bodies on bodies. And like I said, caught Carolina maybe trying to defend both instead of just saying, hey, Carolina, next time you play them, you got to kind of pick one or the other. Yeah. And, yeah, you might get beat every now and then, but it's better to get beat that way than to me to get kind of like half a nothing and beat both ways, run game and pass game, and they kind of had their pickings. So I'm sure they'll reassess that game plan if they ever see them again in the playoffs. He's sitting here watching. First of yeah. all, kudos to the offensive line. I mean, that yeah. was really, really well blocked. Really well blocked. You pointed out the scheme and the plan, yeah. but they did it really well. And this term that comes up a lot in, the, in training camp, we wonder about a team and what's their identity going to be? Yeah. What are the Cowboys going to be? Right. And I think with, with Kellen Moore leading the way offensively, they have really developed something there where Pollard and Elliott, these last three wins, yeah. they have combined carries 28, 29, and 30. So that's – we have this formula. If things are going well, if we're yeah. not way behind or way up, this is how we're going to play. Dak's throwing it in the mid-20s. So this is working. They're not reaching and grabbing for something different every game. No. They've got a formula of who they want to be. Right. And the numbers say it's, it's going pretty well. Yeah, and if they got to adjust and you play a team like Tampa who nobody can run against – and, again, I think that was week one, two, so they're a little scared exactly. of that. Yeah. Then they can go to that. But – uh, I think you're exactly right. And I think more or less, hey, it's going to be a theme a little bit of what we talk about with a few teams here. you got to take what the defense gives you a little bit. There you go. And if yeah. defenses are going to continue to play, like we're worried about CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson and company, then you got to run the football. And they have the people up front to run the football. And to me, that's when you're not wasting your resources. You're taking advantage of everything you have on your roster on that side of the ball. And then your schemes, of course, are taking advantage of it as well. And that's when you become, to me, one of the more dangerous offenses in football. And that's when your quarterback the last two games can be over 70%, seven touchdowns and no picks. Well, too. exactly right. Right? It's, yes. I mean, he's, he's amazing. 
He's definitely one of the best pocket passers in football. He's one of the best down-the-field throwers in football, like he's been for the last three years of his career, even when a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans were, were hating on him. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's where he's awesome. And he has, no, he has no ego either. That's what I love about Dak Prescott. He's not checking them out a run game to go, well, i got to throw right. it here. Let me, get, let, me, let me run my RPO and throw and inc- completion percentage and get more stats. So they're dangerous, Dallas. You add that efficient offense – to a defense who is definitely playing better football. Yeah. It's not super talented, but Dan Quinn is way more multiple on the defensive side of the ball. You can't just pin him to Seattle's scheme every time. And he's got them believing and flying around to where, you know, they're not going to die slow deaths, which I like. When you have an elite offense, don't slide don't you know, you've heard of this before. Don't die die slow deaths. We don't need Dak Prescott and everybody on this sideline for ten minutes while the other team slowly goes down the field. Right. You know? So they make it happen in a lot of ways and they're creating turnovers, which has given them an advantage, you know, a possession or two every game. And with this offense, that's gonna win them a lot of football it, games. They were awful last year defensively. And ju- awful. just to go to being decent where you're talking about them, hey, they're not great, but they're pretty good. Exactly right. It's a massive step in the right direction. Definitely. Definitely. I want to hit Carol. Carolina, just a little bit before we move on, yep. at Crawl Shots asks, after their loss to the Cowboys, are you concerned for the Panthers moving forward to be a real contender? No, I'm not, I'm not concerned. i really not. I think Carolina has it all. I would be shocked. Um, I would be shocked if they fell off planet Earth. I really would be. I think they're going to be in the thick of this playoff conversation all year long. I don't even think they're playing their best football yet. I really don't. you got to remember here, we still got a Sam Darnold who's still learning the offense. No McCaffrey. No McCaffrey. Exactly right. They lost some people on defense last week. So there's, there's, they weren't at full strength either. If they come around and see this team in January, their offense will be different. Sam Darnold will be different. Sam Darnold, he played well in this game. You know, he had the two interceptions, yes, and that stinks, and he's going to want that back. Um, but in every game so far, he's left some yards and some completions on the field. They've won those games. It doesn't matter. But I do think that he'll get more and more comfortable and become better and better throwing the football for them. Week 5, the Cowboys will host the Giants. We'll talk Giants in a little bit. Week 5, the Panthers uh, play at the Eagles. Let's move out to the NFC West. Yeah. Seahawks, uh, they knock off San Francisco 28-21 in a game that you watch uh, it's kind of a it was a different kind of a choppy kind of game. You look yeah. at the stats. San Francisco won every category except turnovers. Yeah, and they didn't have Russell Wilson. Well, exactly. And that, that that was the difference. Well, we played. We, your we clip have Russ, and you PF, don't. We played your clip on PFT today. Oh, okay, we did, and you you said it right. I mean, you said it a lot of ways. You know, that's the beauty of Seattle. You know, they got, I've never seen a team actually get their ass whooped the way they got their ass whooped, yeah. and they were up twenty-one-seven. Yeah. I was like, what? But. You know, yes, they they rely on the big play, create a turnover, and and there they are. Like, okay, yeah, you're gonna let Russell Wilson and company hang around. I think you've summed it up perfectly. Like, he's you let him hang around. He's gonna make three or four plays that are gonna be the best plays of the day, right? And it's gonna re- result in Seahawks points. And that's basically what it is. That's where, like, yards and statistics can sometimes be overrated. Exactly. Because he had three or four unbelievable explosive plays that changed the football game. And that's why they won the football game. You know, let alone it's the same old story like the 49. Not the same old story, just with any offense. When when you don't take advantage of when you're dominating the football game, you know, and you look up and go, man, we have absolutely slaughtered them and we're only up 7 nothing. 
that's when you, you know, you're setting yourself up for a crushing loss, and, that, and that's what happened to the San Francisco 49ers. One of the main stories about the Seahawks in the offseason, once we all got past the Russell Wilson drama and how they might look schematically yeah. with their new offensive coordinator, at Mehmet305 with this question, can you see a difference in Seattle offensively and their approach under Shane Waldron, the new offensive coordinator? Yes, I do. I think it's, it's better. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think it's like, oh my gosh, wow, they're just a totally different offense. I would still like to see them open it up more. You know, I don't know if it's Pete Carroll's influence that, you know, is still kind of making them be conservative. But, uh, you know, they have enough weapons and things to to have a little bit more of the drop-back pass game we see the Rams have, you know, to, to tinker with that. Now, I don't know if Shane Waldron, maybe he's not that guy. Maybe, you know, again, there's a reason Sean McVay is Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, they have – it's to me. It's still the Rams, Jared Goff offense, just with a little bit more of a downfield play action threat. Because you go, well, we got Russell Wilson, and he'll he's you know another guy like Dak Prescott. You go, maybe he's the best deep ball thrower in football, and that's the big thing. But you know, they're not a super talented offensive line. It's a good O line. It's not great. It's middle of the road NFL. Their running backs are good, but it's not great. And I'm not. I certainly respect Chris Carson and company. He runs hard. But he's not the kind of guy that's like, you know, Todd Gurley back with the Rams where you go, oh, you give him a seam, watch out, it's going to be 50-yard touchdown. Um, so, yeah, good offense, but I'm not, like, super impressed. It, to me, there's not enough meat and potatoes of the offense. What there is every week is a few splash plays that right. are cool, and Russell takes advantage of those. But, like, how many splash plays, how many game plan plays can you come up to it that are just going to fuck the defense over? You know, there's only so many you can come with. And they find a way to get three or four every week – but, okay, when they run out, it's like, all right, so what's the rest of the offense? Because yeah. you don't run the ball consistently good enough to I mean just go, oh, you'll run the ball and keep the bootleg play-action pass going all game long here. Yeah, it's not an easy two-and-two two for Seattle. It's no, a lot it's on not. Russell Wilson. Ooh. He probably feels like he's played 15 games instead of four <laughs> yeah. at this point. All right, San Francisco also gave us a lot to talk about offensively. Yep. Jimmy G goes out. Trey Lance comes in. AADM27 says, hey, Chris and Paul, love the pod. How was Debo Samuel so wide open we're going to take a peek at it yeah, feel like every week we have a few plays where someone is so open on sunday i yeah. can't wait to get here on wednesday and see exactly how it happened yeah well shanahan's a master all right and uh you know one of my things you know of course we know the 49ers can run the football i wish this one thing i wish the 49ers would throw the ball outside the numbers more mm. does every throw have to be down the middle and do a crowd of it people? really stands out is that because kyle loves it or because jimmy can't can't get it i, out I think it's probably a little bit of both but i think it's more because kyle loves it that would be my assessment i mean he when jimmy g's really rolling it looks pretty. I mean, it, he does it very no well. No doubt. He, he can get it out of his hand quick and make the right decision. But to me, when you're living over the middle all game long, you're going to live dangerously. And that's what kind of happened to them. It's 7 nothing. Yeah. He's got some people open. And all of a sudden, he tries to force a ball down the middle to Kittle. And Quandary Diggs is going, wait, I've watched film all week. You guys love to throw over the middle. I'm yeah. waiting to jump something like this. Right. And that's dangerous. And uh, my two cents to Kyle would be like, hey, if Trey Lance has to play this week, Make life a little easier on them. Make them throw. It's easier to read the defense. There's less danger that can happen throwing the ball outside if you trust the guy that he can hit the target and make the right play, which is definitely a little bit of an if with Trey Lance right now. Right. So let's let's, let's set up the play. play. Yeah. yeah. Third quarter. Yeah. Uh, late in the third quarter, you can see it right there. Twenty-one-seven. Seattle's up after Russell Wilson had the great touchdown run. He had right. the great touchdown pass. So now they're down fourteen on first and ten. Yeah. Down fourteen. First and ten. 
49ers, master of play-action pass. I mean, Shanahan's, he's the, Shanahan's the reason almost everybody in football is doing play-action pass because everybody's like, man, what's the best offense in football? Well, the 49ers, why? Because they have 9 million ways to screw you over in the play-action pass <laughs> down the middle of the field like we've talked about. So they're going to run the play-action pass, and they're going to take advantage of, like, a newcomer to the Seattle scheme a little bit. Sidney Jones down here, the corner, number 23. They're playing zone coverage, all right? This is zone all the way. You got Jamal Adams over Debo Samuel, right? The other corner up top, number two, he's up there. You know it's zone right from the alignment. There we go. So, bam. And so let's break it down. And really, what you're going to see here is not like an overly complicated concept. It's going to be Brandon Ayuk, 15-yard in cut, Debo Samuel, wheel route up the sideline. And what they're – and what they're basically what they're basically testing is that will the corner be disciplined enough to stay in his third? Where's the eleventh guy too? By the way, There's yeah, one the eleventh guy, guy is he's way back okay. here. Diggs is back here, okay. so it's a single safety defense. Uh, you know, you got I think this is Reed, the other corner up here. You got three linebackers in the game. You know, Seattle's always for the most part going to play five people in the line of scrimmage, almost always, every play. You know, they're still old school. We're like, you're not going to run on us no matter what. And you're going to see here, we get a little little play-action pass, weak side play-action pass, right? So, and it's, it's, it's no run action, right? So it's total just slide protection. Use check is down here, over here. He fakes away. I mean, we'll see what this comes. Maybe they have something off of this next week. But they're just trying to suck up the second level of guys here and work a little basic two-man route like we talked about to the weak side. And he comes out of the fake. He looks at his in-cut for a second. And then I think he realizes, and I'm sure this was a talking point all week for Shanahan, all you got to do is read the corner. If, the, if you see the corner, read the in-cut. If the corner is by him, the wheel route's going to be there. Because, again, here, what we need to show is, like, this is Jamal Adams. He's got no responsibility there. He's curl flat guy. He's kind of just going to go out here. And, okay, he's going to peek behind him. And if he sees somebody go inside, he'll try to fall off inside and just be in the way. Right? So, it's not Jamal Adams' fault. Mm-mm. And you see here, look, he kind of peeks at it. Look, he's, he's, he's telling him right now. Like, look, he's right. look, at, look at Jamal Adams here. He's pointing. He's kind of trying to tell the corner, like, watch out. The guy's going deep. Like, it's, it's back to your area. You, you know? And you see Quandre Diggs over here. I think this is Diggs. Maybe he's in a little deeper. Um, let me see. I just want to make sure that is him. No, that's the linebacker. All right, but so you're going to have to trust me is that Diggs is back here, and he's ready for the in cut. Like, they've, they're, they're, it's his zone coverage. He's getting ready for the guy coming into his area. But as you'll see here in a second, it ends up being, like, the most wide-open touchdown pass Seattle had you'll th- ever had see. Th- like, basically yeah. three guys in a two-yard area in the middle of the field there. If you back it up a yep. little bit. Let me go a little faster. There we go here. on the 40. So at least one of them probably shouldn't have been there. So if you want to pause it. Yeah. Which, so what are you talking about so right keep here? Keep going. Play yeah, it. Play yeah. it. Ball's in midair. Go ahead and stop it. Yeah. You can see there on the. Right. There's two guys here. There's Diggs. Diggs is ready for the in cut. Yeah. Right? Okay. So, yeah. You know, Diggs is ready for the in cut. The problem is Sidney Jones should be down here. But he, he took the bait and followed it in. And, you know, there are some rules like that within the Seattle scheme where sometimes, you we know, again, we talk to you yeah. match people, but you got to know when it's like, okay, I've matched you, and now it's time to pass off and go back to my area. 
and that's where they get burned. And I think we got another angle of this, right? Let's, uh, let's see the other angle, go through it. All right, here we go. This is good here, right here. So this really shows it. Yep. There's a little drawing on there from the telecast. I didn't draw that. I don't draw that nicely, <laughs> all right? But here's the point. Again, it's a zone coverage. Look, you see uh, our man Brooks. He's back over here looking to just get in the way in the middle. There's Jamal Adams curl flat, and he'll read the eyes if something comes here. But Diggs is back here. And he's reading this whole thing. He's just waiting for somebody to come into here because he knows he'll go. And if Sidney Jones stays out here, this shouldn't be anything. It really shouldn't be. They are in the proper defense. But there you go. You see Sidney Jones. He's out of there, and it's the easiest touchdown Trey Lance will ever have in his life. All right. Uh, more on Trey Lance here. We have a couple questions yeah. here, Chris. Quinn Allo asks, you've hit on it several times, but with Jimmy G still turning the ball over and not bringing the same running aspect that Trey does, when Jimmy is healthy – should he be the starter, or will Trey's running ability in the Shanahan offense be undeniable for him to remain the starter? There's definitely more big play opportunities with Trey Lance, a quarterback, because he's going to make defenses do some things they don't want to. All right? There, but, you know, I don't have the answer here. This, to me, is all about is Trey Lance in the trust tree with Shanahan. Does he trust him to run the rest of the offense yeah. and take care of the football? That game there, I mean, I would say – that's not going to give him a whole lot of confidence with some of the decisions and throws he made. It was still a good start, but uh, that, that to me is the million-dollar question, and I don't have an inside look there or any inside info to give anybody here to, yeah. to necessarily know that. Um, you know, it, it, it looks to me like Jimmy right. G runs that offense most of the time in, in the B range, yes, which is I think pretty that's darn very good. Exactly right. And is Trey Lance, even though he's going to run it better, is he going to execute the passing offense close to what Jimmy G does? No, he's not. Probably not. No, no. I would be shocked. I mean, they, I have to see that to believe it first. You know, you're exactly right. So then it goes back to, like, it's the meat and potatoes part of the offense. Shanahan can only dial up so many plays that are going to screw over the defense. Yeah. So can he do, okay, now I've used all my tricks and they've changed the way they're playing us because they realized I've got them down and we're going to screw them over. So now can we get back to our offense and execute it the right way? You know, that, that's a big if. I don't know. I haven't seen anything from Trey Lance to think that yet. And, and, you know, uh, but at the same time, you know, the, what stinks for them right now, like there was a handful of runs in that game. Trey Sermon played pretty good, 19 runs for 89 yards. But there was like three or four runs where I go, man, if they had a Mostert healthy yeah. or a Wilson type of back, you know, Jeff Wilson or Jeff Wilson, yeah, what the hell was his name? Or, or even like, yeah, or even maybe an Eli Mitchell, but not to their capacity to where I go, man, a few of the runs he game planned in this game, they would have been 60-yard touchdowns. Yeah. But instead they were like 15-yard gains. So he's really missing that home run hitter at the running back position. That kills him. But we'll see. You know. And they also had more, I mentioned, more turnovers and more penalties. Yes. Both of them. They can't, they can't create turnovers right now, the 49ers on defense, as awesome as they are. I mean, they are. But that, that's one thing people are looking at. They're going, I mean, of course, when you play 49ers, everybody goes, oh, this defense is awesome. They didn't create They're a single one. So no, they, no. Yeah. They've had issues creating turnovers all year so far, other than that first game against Detroit. So that's been an issue for them. That's kind of lets them down a little bit. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes, though, because, you know, Trey Lance is a space thrower. He's out of all the rookie quarterbacks, nobody needs more room in the pocket. Nobody has a more long, deliberate motion than Trey Lance. Nobody. And if you anybody like, go back and watch the game, look how many times like 
the the Seahawks get hands on the ball around the line of scrimmage because, damn, it's like he's pitching from the, the pitcher mound with the windup. <laughs> I mean, his right arm touches the ground sometimes. He lets it go so long. It's like you can literally, if you're a linebacker or defensive line, you got eyes in the back of you going, okay, here comes the windup and the pitch. There it is. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's literally like that. And that's what concerns me about him. And I got to see more before I can really, you know, tell exactly what he is. Uh, got incredible arm strength. Yeah. But it's just I, he can miss the broad side yeah. of the barn sometimes. The, the, the West divisions have been very good, NFC West, AFC West. The only ones where no team has a losing record. So let's take one peek at what's yeah. coming up this next week. Niners at the Cardinals. Ooh. Nobody's slowing down Kyler yet. No. Uh, Cardinals just handled a high-powered Rams offense. How do you think Lance and Shanny attack that? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I know there's still a chance, right? They're saying Garoppolo could play. I mean, we don't know. Like, Vance Joseph showed a propensity last year, like that word, to <laughs> understand how to defend the Shanahan run game a little bit and how all so? the pre-snaps motions and movements. Just in, just in understanding, like, okay, if they got this guy going this way and now they shift the tight end, we got to move the defense over. And he understood how to get everybody in the right gap so Shanahan couldn't fuck him over with some Shanahan run special. Mm. And then I think when you add in, again, they're a team – that I would be shocked. I mean, they seem like they're built to stop a running quarterback. Hmm. With the freaks they got at the second level and the athletes they got in the front seven, uh, I just would be shocked if, like, you know, if Trey Lance does play, that the quarterback run game just goes crazy. Hmm. I, I would be shocked. I really would. Uh, the defensive side of the ball, that's going to be an interesting matchup. It is because of the Cardinals compromise you. With the weapons outside and – their O line is better than any year in, in a while, so and Kyler's taking a significant step. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. The whole thing is that. dicing people up yeah. in the pocket, showing patience. Cliff Kingsbury showed patience a little bit, like what I said on the Monday podcast. Like their O line's good enough now to where you can go. No, no, we're we're going to run the ball. Yeah. We're going to run the ball a little bit. You're not just going to play us for our spread pass stuff. You're going to have to come in here and condense your defense a little bit, and then. Now we got matchups we got like on the outside. Now we can throw our wide receiver screens and start to pick you apart seven, eight yards at a time. And that's where I'm interested to see because the, the 49ers are not a man football team. They don't want to play man. And if they do, they're not going to be able to match up uh, against this uh, Cardinals offense. All right, Kansas City, Philadelphia. Kansas City 42 and the Eagles 30. A lot of points scored there, obviously. I think the main point that we want to get to here and hit yeah. on, Chris, Chiefs offense uh, looked yeah. to be back in their groove. What was different this week compared to last? Well, like we talk about Dallas. We just talked about Arizona a little bit. Like take it what the defense gives you. Oh, the safeties are 45 yards back. Let's not try to throw a 45-yard right. pass. Let's, let's run the ball. Let's do something to bring them up. The best running game I've ever seen them have, like in the Andy Reid era. Back-to-back I mean, back games, Edwards Lair over 100. It's awesome. Two in a row. You know, and, and then you know, a handful of other runs with McCole Hardman, Damian Williams, yep. like, uh, or Daryl Williams, Williams, excuse yeah. me. Yeah, right. To, so that became a real thing. And, like, again, if you're going to pay that offensive line all that money and have all those studs, use them. There's, nobody's going to be able to stand up against that Chiefs offensive line if they run the ball. So I think that would be the first thing I would look at. They can blow people off the ball and move you. And then I think the other thing is this. I mean, Mahomes stayed patient. He stayed true to the offense. You know, he stayed in the pocket. He stopped floating around like it was like last year where he was getting no pass protection and he had to float and move around. 
This this whole game, for the most part, he stayed in there and went through reads, stayed true to progressions, and made a lot of awesome throws and got back to being like the Patrick Mahomes we know and love. And I think that's the biggest thing altogether. So that was good to see on the offensive side of the ball. Anytime Mahomes or any quarterback, uh, five touchdowns, one more incompletion than touchdown passes. I mean, stop and think about that. Doesn't that's happen insane. very often. Right. Pretty awesome. Yes. Tyreek Hill was back to being Tyreek Hill. 11 catches, 186. I think the first play we want to look at here is the one where he got open late that kind of ended up being the dagger. Right. So I want to do this real quick and just show you. This is oh, We showed this up. last Excellent. week. Remember that? You're bundling plays. I'm bundling this yes. one to go like, I think our guy learned a little okay. bit. All right. So we showed this play last week, right? And I'm going to stand up again. Um, I mean, it was play action pass. Corner, post, deep cross, right there, right? It's one to two. Two, two, that's an ugly two, to whoever your check downs are, okay? Whatever, it doesn't matter. But, I mean, as we kind of tried to explain last week, this play was wide open. Touchdown, they left points on the board here because a few plays later uh, is when I think Tyreek Hill fumbled over the middle. But that's why you can't leave plays on the field. You know, and again, where's he going? He the need pocket's to step perfect. Up there. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's perfect. Stay there. And where are you looking? Like, what, where? So that's to me where Patrick Mahomes has not played his best football through the first few weeks, and he got back to that in this next game. So let's go back, and I mean, let's go to the next play here and get to no little different formation. I got it. I got the formation. It's still the same concept, and it's still the same thought. They're going to run a little play-action fake, right? And you're going to have, instead of the two wide receivers this time, it's 11 personnel. So it's three wide receivers and one tight end. And you got McCole Hardman out here who's just going to run a little hitch route. And you're going to see Tyreek's going to come off, bend him out, go to the post. And then on the backside is Demarcus Robinson, and it's the same read. It's one to two. And then to three over here if you want or whoever, Kelsey out of the back, if he checks down the back, whatever. I don't even know who the check down is. I didn't even look. I just go, go into the meat and potatoes of this <laughs> thing here. So here we go. Let's look at it. You could see right away from the get-go, right? I mean, they got the look. They got everything they want here. It's perfect. And here's the other point we got to make. See, they're getting gashed in the run game. So now they're starting to go, wait, we can't continue just to die this way. we got to move up a little bit. we got to be a little bit more aggressive. So they're blitzing. And you got him, you know, trying to match uh, Kelsey over here. So within that, and then here we go. We're going to play. You see? So As soon as that safety comes down to get Kelsey. Exactly right. Patrick knows right now that he's got middle of the field open. He's got middle of the field open. Right now. And he should should throw it 100%. I mean, look at, again, look at all the people at the line of scrimmage. You got five, and then they're going to bring. So they bring six, and then you got two guys in the middle of the field here. And he reads it true to form, you know, does the typical, like, let me just stay in the pocket and backpedal a little bit, throws off his back foot. But I just thought that was like a good play that kind of exemplified the two things. One, he read the play out the right way, didn't predetermine and go like, oh, wait, this doesn't look like I'm going to get the shot I want. Right. And then two, it showed you that, you know, again. Take it. Yeah, go ahead. What do you want to say? Take it back to the beginning. Yep. Finish what you're saying. I don't don't want to cut you off. No, no, you're good. And then again, just the fact of you got to do some stuff to bring defenses up. And between running the ball, him being patient with the short passing game, yep. and 
and um, a few screens to receivers yep. and things of that nature. Philly couldn't play. Philly was playing early on. It was like, whoa, we're back here, and we're back here, and you're not going to get it. And they just kept going, fine, here's Edwards Hilaire. Here's Edwards Hilaire. And this group right here on Philly's D, they're for real. But this group right here is more yeah. for real. Yeah. They're more for real. And they're stupid if they don't take advantage of, like, the best run-blocking left guard in football, one of the best run-blocking tackles in football in Orlando Brown. And hopefully that's something they continue to do because it's going to help their team out. Leave a pause right here for yeah. a moment. And yeah. I, I want to set up this question. Cool. And I know it's third down. Yeah. I know it's late in the game. I know they're right. trailing. But look at what they're doing. By, by giving up the one safety to come down and cover yeah. uh, Kelsey, the tight yeah. end. right. They have a they have a corner or a safety fourteen yards off a hill who's in a slot so I he know. can go either way, and this is Tyreek Hill with a fourteen yard soft corner playing him one on one. Right. So that comes to the question from at that guy Oliver. Why do teams continue the trend of treating Tyreek Hill just like any other receiver? Uh, because they I, I don't know why. First off, it's crazy in certain situations. I don't get that. I think also what teams have come to is going wait we kind of know the routes they're going to run. And we always know where he's going to end up being. And because of that, they go, we'll take our chances. We kind of got a feel for Andy Reid in the pass and Eric Bieniemy in the pass offense that way. You know, I think, I think that's what it is. I, I wish I could tell you. To me, listen, the really good defenses in football would, would not do this very often. Yeah. Because he's still the most dangerous wide receiver in football. And, you know, and again, I know this is third down. I meant to say this from the beginning. But – you know, they're protecting against, like, hey, we're down right here, and they've gashed us with some weak side bubble runs here, and we don't want to let them get a 15-yard or a 10-yard run and get closer into field goal territory. So everything they've done in the game already has set them up for this, this prime example. And that's why I think Andy Reid goes, well, it's third down, but they might think we're just going to try to get some yards. We've been running the ball so we can get in field goal territory. So let's fake the run. And they fake the run to the weak side where they have absolutely obliterated the Eagles to this point on the weak side bubble runs. And when I say bubble, for anybody that's wondering, I'll just stand up. The bubble is this right here. See, the guard's got nobody on him. It's the bubble. It's a shade nose and then a defense end. So there's a bubble here. And they all game long just absolutely abused it right through there. And I, that forced the Eagles to have to do something they don't want to do. But I don't understand that either. I don't. But... Also, Philly's a little bit of that, like, Cleveland Brown scheme that we saw in week one. They're a little bit like, this is what we do. It is a little bit Seattle scheme-ish at, the, at its heart um, with, their, with their defensive, corner, uh, defensive coordinator. Um, oh, man, I'm blanking on Gannon, right, who came from the Colts and Eberflus, who runs that system. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't understand that either to our, to our questioner. So we can't put the Chiefs aside yet without taking a quick peek to what's coming Sunday night against the Bills. AFC title game, if we remember correctly, they did better against the run, but Mahomes really torched them. Buffalo's defense looks even a little bit better. Way better. What should they do different this time around? Like uh, you're talking about uh, Buffalo's D? Buffalo's D against against Mahomes. Well, Buffalo's D is a different animal this year. Um, They really are. Everybody on their defensive line is playing well. Ed Oliver's playing well. Uh, Star Luto Lele is kicking butt inside. You know, Harrison Phillips, the, the kid 66, who's a uh, damn white defensive tackle. He's, a, you know, an SOB in there in the middle. 
you know, of course, Rousseau being big on the edge gives them power in the run game. They got two really awesome middle linebackers in Ed, Edmonds and, and Milano. They got two awesome safeties when they're healthy. Poyer didn't play last week. I don't know what his status will be. Kansas City's O-line and run game are better now than they were, though. And that's where it's like, even though Buffalo's playing better football than Kansas City, and there's no doubt about that, because Kansas City's defense sucks. S-U-C-K-S. Sucks. I don't know if they could stop Greenwich High School right now. Right down um, the street. Yeah. Right down the street. And but 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 what I would say is with Buffalo where I do get worried about is is their corners. I don't think they have great cover corners. I know they have Tredavious Way and he's a good player. I don't think he's the star that everybody makes him out to Pick be. Pick the wrong week to have bad cover corners. Exactly right. So if Kansas City can stay, you know, patient with the run again, which they did in their regular season matchup too last year, it, it's going to force Buffalo, I think, into a little bit of a bind. It forces Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott to not be able to play all their awesome defenses where they have people at the line of scrimmage, and you know I've said this a million times, and then they back out, and they just seem to drop exactly where you're throwing the football because they're amazing at breaking down teams and understanding that. And that's where I think the game can be a little bit more equal. Um, but, you know, with that, yeah, Kansas City, I think, even as bu- awesome as Buffalo is, what, what matches up well with the Buffalo defense. The other side of the ball is where I question, and I do. I do. I mean, right. Kansas City's defense, just to hit on that real quick. Yeah. They only have one real good player on their football team on the defensive side of the ball, and that's Chris Jones. That's it. I mean, it's the only blue-chip player they have. And I don't feel there's no Frank Clark out there. Honey Badger's not the same. There's a reason they don't want to pay Honey Badger top of the market. So the, the, that's an issue. They got some new pieces right and it's it's they don't cover that well they're not rushing the passer that well they're messing up run fits at times I feel like they treat try to be a little too complicated where you see a motion and they're trying to check to a total different defense and there's 97 guys signaling each other and they can't all get on the same page so I don't know what they do to fix one thing I will say is this Paulie just on their defense yeah move Chris Jones back to defensive tackle Mm. move him back I was all for the move in theory and thought it was great, too. But he's the second-best defensive tackle in football. He's not involved as many plays as he used to be now that he's at defense ends. You know, teams run away. They run the other side. You're playing in the middle of the defense. They can't run away from you. Or they just have to run all the way outside. Good point, yeah. You know, and I think he was more effective as a pass rusher, of course, inside because he pushes the pocket. He has an unbelievable ability to bat balls. And other than Aaron Donald, he's the most disruptive defensive tackle in football. So, like, listen, I was all for the idea, and I'm not trying to second guess. I'm just saying I've seen enough now to, like, let's let's second guess. You know, it's like we took the second-best wide receiver in football and moved him to tight end or running back to get more weapons on the field. It's cool, but he was the second-best wide receiver in football, and that was a big piece that forced teams to do a lot of shit they didn't want to do. Right. And I think they got to go back to that. With as, with as well as Josh Allen and Buffalo are playing yeah. and your questions defensively in Kansas yeah. City, right. kind of sounds like you might be leaning toward predicting the Bills. I, I, don't, I don't know. This is one I'm – I mean, I do think Buffalo is the better football team, but as you know, it's a matchup league, and I do think Kansas City poses some matchups, and – you know, typical Kansas City, they'll be on their A game this week because they're going to be a little scared. And Mahomes and company are going to be know that, like, oh, shit, it's Josh Allen and our defense sucks. Hmm. So we're going to have to play awesome. 
And that's where I think the intrigue of the game is awesome because it's, it's hard to tell how it'll go when you got, you know, a freak show like Mahomes and Hill at, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Bill's Chiefs, great one Sunday night in the AFC. Yeah. There was a good one Sunday afternoon in the AFC. Kind of flew under the radar a little bit. So much other things or many other big games going on. Ravens, Broncos yeah. in Denver and Baltimore wins 23-7. to And to me, most noteworthy here, Chris, the Denver defense, highly touted. Yeah. Really, really good. Right. Strong against the pass. Lamar goes 22 out of 37 for 316. Yeah. No picks. Yeah. Just shows you. Like, if you want to overplay the run, you know, yeah, it's not going to be like Tom Brady and the Patriots, but like Lamar Jackson and company can tear you up in the pass game. You know, and, and Denver kind of overcommitted to stopping the run. They weren't going to let them be, get beat that way. You know, and again, I'm not like amazed by the Ravens pass offense, but if you put too many eggs into the we're going to stop the run game basket, Lamar's throwing the football too well right now to just think you're going to be able to win the football game that way and just totally overextend yourself to run the ball. You know, Lamar's motion is very natural, as we've talked about. The one thing Lamar, Lamar Jackson has gotten rid of is – he, was, he let his feet used to get real close together. Mm. If you watch Lamar now, he really keeps a base about him all the time. And I think that's improved his accuracy, yeah. ability to get the ball out of his hands real quick and just snap it out of there. And I think that's the thing that jumped out to me. But, man, made some big plays in the past game, really, and, and uh, helped put away the Denver Broncos. Let's take a good look at one of the plays there. 7-7 seven, seven tie, about halfway through the second. And if you've seen the highlight, Hollywood, Hollywood Brown ends up by himself right. in the secondary. One of these plays where if you saw it, you're like, how the heck did that happen? Yeah, well, and I mean, again, you know, it's it, it's second and 10. It's empty formation. You know, there's still six, seven guys around the line of scrimmage for the Denver Broncos because yeah. they're not sure. Wait, Latavius Murray's, you know, in the slot here to the left, so he could motion back to the backfield, right? They actually you have know? eight in the box. Eight they? in the box. Yeah. yeah, you're right. It's eight in the box. So, yeah, that... And then, you know, it's, 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 they're worried about Lamar Jackson keeping the ball, so go. they're still yep. worried about defending the run. It's second and ten. Baltimore can do whatever they want. So, you know, I'm going to stand up here now, Kristen, and very similar play to what we just saw with Patrick Mahomes and the, and the, uh, the Chiefs against the Eagles. I, I, don't, I can't remember. I think Mark Andrews runs like a little in-cut here, all right? Uh, I'm not even sure what we get down here. I'm not even sure, so I'm not going to lie to you. I can't even remember. I got too many plays going through my head. The point is this right here. Hollywood Brown, free release, onto a safety, all the way across the field. Lamar in the pocket, going to launch this thing 60 yards, 63 yards in the air. And, man, if they can continue to find little ways to dial up big pass plays every week in the pass game, they're going to be tough to, to handle. You know, and, and listen, I don't know if Lamar was on this originally. Like, he should be looking at post all the way. Is there a safety back? There's, his, his there's a safety over here. Okay. Yes, there is. And I think, you know, it's Kareem Jackson, who's a hell of a football player. 
But I think he's thinking, like, wait, they don't do this that much. Like, I'm not expecting Hollywood Brown to come all the way over the top of me and, you know, be gone. And you could see there's Kareem Jackson going, oh, crap, he's, he's gone, right? So let's see. I can't remember this route on the bottom. But, you know, there you see Mark Andrews. Who's, he is running, like, the in-cut, like we talked about. He's going to be right there, right? You're going to see that. Something very similar to the, the one we saw in Kansas City. It's you brought very that similar. Up. And the problem for the defense is the same. You have a safety that by formation, Chris, ought to be there and prevent this, but gets caught kind of whether he was told to or he did it on his own, got caught looking in the backfield, sneaking up, and he then boom, someone's 10 yards behind him. 100%. I think he gets caught up in Sammy Watkins running the deep curl route here a little bit and watches that, and I don't think he expects anything to come across his face or behind him from the other side. So they play it, you know, and Lamar buys time. And like I said, I think his eyes are in the wrong spot to begin with. I think he hangs on Mark Andrews too long, but either way he gets off of it. And maybe that was his plan. He might've been looking him off directly to get that left safety to kind of just sit down and think like, oh wait, his eyes are way over to the right. He's not thinking deep post or deep middle. He could be. Lamar has definitely polished enough to be having those type of thoughts and do that to a defense but unbelievable throw great catch by hollywood i mean come on hollywood there we go all 22 yeah here we go hollywood you know he he dropped some passes last week uh this was way tougher than the passes he dropped against detroit but certainly makes us and yeah you know you see here it's 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 there let's see and this it kind of started late here but i think what i'm more impressed with right here is like Kareem Jackson is 25 yards deep. <laughs> he actually didn't come up like he I thought. He didn't come up as much he's, as they. He's backpedaling. He's yeah. just not thinking like, wait, they're not going to run the 60-yard post behind me. Yeah. And like, this is where, like, to me, just natural feel. He has more of this than people want to give him credit for. Let's see. Let's see what yeah. Jackson does here now. So. He just cleared, just like you thought. He's like, I've backed up enough. Lamar's not going to throw it over my head. You're exactly right. And he just uh, he quit a little bit too early. He just quit a little too early. Flat-footed for a second. Yeah. I, I do think – I do think – let me see if I can frame this right. I do think, if you look right here, I do think Lamar – and it's hard because I did have a back angle on film. I think his eyes are right here. And if we just watch – let's watch Kareem Jackson one more time, all right? And just see if I can pin it the right way. Watch him. Here's Kareem. Just watch here in a second. He's in a flat foot. And I do think that's because of Lamar's eyes. Oh, damn it, damn it, damn it. Let me give me a second, everybody. I'm kind of <laughs> stupid sometimes. It's so it's when you Alright, so let's see if I can get it. Everybody, just try to watch Kareem Jackson. Watch when he flit flat foots and tell me if you think that's it. I don't know, but that's kind of the sense I got when I watched it back on film. Right? There. See how he kind of went like he did that. And then Lamar came over there, and he's like, oh, no, I'm done. It's I mean, too late. He had dropped back. I mean, Lamar was 40 yards away from yeah, him. I no. think maybe something internally just All said, I've dropped enough. He's not going to throw it over the top he's of my head. He's deep in the pocket. Yeah. Right. And You're he not did. not going to launch that. Yeah. So, cool play to show, nonetheless. Great throw, great catch. Yep. Great. I want to point out with the Ravens. run game, with this collection of backs, Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell, and uh, Devontae Freeman, 23 carries, 74 yards. So, not big production, no. but just enough. No. Exactly. Enough when Lamar is throwing the ball that way for Baltimore to succeed. It's like it's like we always talk about. Sometimes attempts are more important than the actual yards. Yes. Right? And the fact Keeps that they stay patient, they make Vic Fangio and company continue to have to worry about the run. 
And you know, it wasn't pretty, but a typical Baltimore. They're just tougher than you. They just hang in there. They know there's a few plays that will present themselves, and they usually take advantage, and that's how they won the football game. Are you ready for the Week 5 version of the Lamar question we, we've, okay. we've dealt with? couple dozen times can Lamar throw the ball still or should we move him to wide receiver close at Mills NFL has Lamar shown enough to be a pocket passer in the league for years to come yeah he has I've already been there everybody you know anybody listen to me again I don't look at it as Lamar Jackson problem is he perfect in the pocket you know is he Aaron Rodgers or Josh Allen no he's not he's never gonna be you know they're they're a little more special that way but like if they continue to put weapons around him and expand the system throwing the football, Lamar Jackson can beat you with his right arm. He can. And hopefully, you know, this is another another little group of evidence here. You know, he did it last week with some great throws against Detroit. And then like we talked, Hollywood Brown dropped probably three passes for a hundred something yards. You know, and then here again, wasn't always pretty, I get that. But it was a lot of yards, and he made a lot of plays with his right arm. So, yes, everybody get off his back. And I still don't think it's the greatest pass offense in the world. No, as far which as is another wise. thing that we've talked about a exactly. lot. And with, with the fact that he's either the best or second-best running quarterback in the league, if he's just a good pocket exactly passer, right. he's an awesome quarterback because you have to consider the rest 100%, of it as well. 100%. That's it. Right. All right, let's go to the NFC North. Bears yeah. 24, Lions 14. And Ooh. just like you – bundled the Tyreek Hill Kansas City offense from last week to this week and what they did I think when you consider the Bears win you also have to remember last week that was I mean at age 50 I think that was the worst offensive performance I've seen 47 total yards the Bears get yeah in that loss to Cleveland yeah, that was shit so you keep that in mind and look at what they did this week 24 points and Fields was much better right a whole lot better so I think the improvement here from Cleveland to what they did at home against Detroit is the theme. Uh, it's the theme, and they gave him a chance to be successful. You know, that's where I argued in the Cleveland game. Like, okay, yeah, he didn't pull the trigger on a few throws I'd like him to throw, but, like, the game plan itself never lent it to jo- to, to Justin Fields ever being successful. Breaking news, I'm just he's told starting. by Pete, he's starting. Yeah. No shit he's starting. <laughs> I mean, no shit. It's amazing he didn't say it after the game. I mean, come on. Right? What are they doing in Chicago? Just go with it. He's 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 the best quarterback they got, and I know it's not perfect. And you can tell there's an energy, there's this non tangible part the team feeds 100%. off. A hundred percent. I I think all of it. So here's the thing that jumped out to me, just right off base, and we can go to questions and we'll break down plays. He got underneath the center. They ran the football. That's the first thing. Like the Chicago Bears should play the Cleveland Browns offense, run the ball, bootlegs, play action passes, and then sprinkle in a few Lamar Jackson run plays. Right. And they will be a handful. You'll be, you'll go. the 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 formula is not complicated, but damn, the formula they have really makes you defend a lot. The whole field, we got to worry about the line of scrimmage and being dominated there. And then within that, the Bears have receivers that can beat one on one coverage. Clearly, they do. Yeah, and and they traded for Akeem Grant with the Dolphins this week, which I think would be part of this Lamar Jackson speed sweep. We're going to do all this stuff behind the line of scrimmage. I'm hoping that's why they made that move. But, yeah, so that was the big thing. I mean, 11 completions for 209 yards. That's 19 yards of completion. That says that something right big there. Time. yes. That's because they ran the ball, and almost other than two throws, every other throw was a, a play-action pass. So, yeah, they compromised the defense. They made them force them to get down there. And here's the other thing. I'm sick of hearing about the Bears' offensive line of shit, all right? I am. 
Now, the Bears' offensive line is a shit when you try to throw the ball 40 times a game in that offense. But, like, when you break down center, Sam Mustafer, yeah. good player. We yeah. saw him at Notre Dame. Left guard, Cody Whitehair, good player. James Daniel, right guard from Iowa, good player. Right tackle, Jermaine Effetti, good player. They can move people in the run game. They can. Jason Peters, a left tackle. Okay, we know he's an aging whatever. He's an aging borderline Hall of Famer guy. That's not – yeah, he's not his best anymore. Maybe the weak link. I get that. But they should be able to run the ball if they commit to it. And I think that's where it started. And then play-action pass gets Justin Fields away from the line of scrimmage, which is going to make him a dangerous scrambler. And play-action pass, like – and a lot of throws outside the numbers, like I talked about with the 49ers, where, again, don't make them read it and throw balls into tight windows over the middle sometimes. When you run the ball, it's one-on-one outside, and he's a very good down-the-field thrower. To me, that's where he's at his best. And anybody during the draft breakdown, I used to say this, he's at his best throwing the ball down the field. Where I questioned him was five- and ten-yard throws into tight windows and being really ultra-accurate that way. And, you know, you do this way, you can build some confidence and then start to dabble into that type of stuff. And I, I liked what I saw from the Bears and Matt Nagy in the offensive attack. So I want to give a nod to Jordan Ingram, who asked a question yeah. uh, on Twitter. What did Bill Lazor do, Colin plays, differently than what we saw last week with Matt Nagy? Yeah. And I think you just answered the I, question. I hope I just yeah. answered it. That's answered right. answered it pretty yeah. well. He tied plays together. There was a real plan of attack. And it fit what Justin Fields does best. And that, to me, you know, gave them a fighting chance on the offensive side of the ball. Speaking of tying plays together, yeah. Chris, let's take a look at, at back-to-back plays early in the third quarter. Start with the ground game, and then they'll, they'll follow it up with the passing right. game. Right. Like, see, this is just an example of like, what I'd like to see them continue to do. Now, this is Montgomery playing Wildcat quarterback. But this was my point of, like, I'd like to see Justin Fields doing some of this. You put and you you make people defend him running the football with them the way they run the football, and now his ability, like we've seen, to throw the ball down the field a little bit, they'll be dangerous. They really will. And I know Montgomery's hurt, but like Damian Williams is. I know he's a little banged up too. He's been playing really good. The rookie they got from Virginia Tech, he's a pretty good little player too. So the run game should not fall off this week by any stretch of the imagination. But the, my. I hate when this thing does that. Um, But this is what I'm talking about with just like, this is what I'm talking about with Lamar Jackson run game stuff. And this is what I want to see more from them to me. And I want to see it with Justin Fields because Justin Fields is faster than Jordan Montgomery. And it'd be dangerous, right? But like they give you a bastard look here. Backside, double pulling lineman. And you're thinking, wait, Montgomery's going to delay and go right in there and smash it in there. That's going to be tough to defend, you know. And Detroit, you know, these guys have seen football. You see backside pulling guards. You start to go, well, damn, they're going to run on the front side. We're going to be in trouble. So people start to fast flow and get over there, right? So what do they do? He gives it to Mooney out the back door. I mean, look at that. But, but the point is, when you run the ball and start to run it and commit to it and be successful, and now you do things like this. You don't need your tailback to do it either with Justin Fields no, in the game. exactly right. I don't know why they did this with just the running back because they ran about two or three other plays out of this formation. Yeah. And maybe they're just trying to save Justin Fields at this point, and he's a rookie, and they want him to get used to football. But, you know, I just think if you sprinkle in that little aspect of your offense with Justin Fields at quarterback, and then let's go to the next play, Pete and Kristen – and then you sprinkle in, hey, we're going to run, you know, guard pull in the running game. 
and we're going to run inside, outside zone. They got two or three tight ends that are pretty damn good and can block people. I mean, Cole Komet's a beast running in the yeah, run game. Yeah. You know, they can really force your hand here. And this is, to me, just kind of, again, this is not like the sexiest play of the day, but it just exemplifies, again, run game, fitting your quarterback with the proper scheme, right? And what we're going to get here is just like, it's weak side ISO, basically. It's weak side ISO with the backs, and the, and the linemen are, are in total pass protection slide mode, right? But it's tight end coming up here, Montgomery coming up here. This front seven for Detroit's already seen this a few times, so they're going, oh, shit, here they come again. Let's, you know, buck up, Bart, and take on the run game. But instead here, you know, Fields is going to – they're going to have a receiver out here who's going to run like a go route, a slot receiver. And then Allen Robinson's going to come in, come inside behind him. And look, I mean, you see all the space here. I mean, there's a ton of space because they've been running the ball. They were committed to it. Let me let it play. See, there goes the post. And then look at Allen Robinson coming right behind it. That is – that's beautiful. Beautiful. That is a perfect 20-yard deep over, 44, the linebacker. Couldn't get back there because he was for a second concerned about the exactly run. Exactly right. Safety has to run with that go route in front of right. him. Right. Here's I mean, the other linebacker. It's textbook. He's, he came up to stop the fullback on the ISO or the tight end who was playing fullback. And to me, the point is, like, too, you create a pocket for him. Mm-hmm. He's got space where, like, again. Look at how much space. I mean, right. If he kept the ball and just, like, maybe he didn't see things clearly, damn, he's going to be in here and he's going to be able to run and do that. That's an aspect that I think people don't think of sometimes with the running quarterback. And then more importantly, just this space to throw the football. And he's been real controlled and smooth throwing the football. He doesn't try to overthrow it. He's been throwing really nice spirals, you know. And, and because of that, of course, he had his best day as an NFL pro so far. And I, I just hope they stick with that because with he, that defense and that, yeah, they'll be a pain in the butt. I, I think he hit a go route on the next play as well. I, that I was a really did. pretty ball down right. the sideline as well. Because they're playing now. They're worried about the run again. They're playing man-to-man. And he throw, Mooney can run by anybody. He's so good. you put him one-on-one, and then Fields, like I said, Fields' mechanics change as he throws the ball down the field. His mechanics are more proper when he throws the ball down the field than when he throws a mm. five-yard slant or a, 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 a ten-yard in-cut over the middle. Um, but, man, good job by Justin Fields. That was really a lot of fun to watch. I hope he keeps kicking ass. So now he's, he's going to get his chance good. starting against the Raiders. Yeah. What can they do to help him stay on this right track? Raiders are beat up on defense. Corners aren't, you know, I mean, we had uh, Arnett get hurt in the game the other night. That's, Trayvon Mullins hurt. It's trouble. As, Mooney and Robinson, 24 yards per catch last week. Yeah, I mean, that's trouble. And then not a lot of big people on the Raiders defensive line. You saw the Raiders get pushed around yeah. by the Chargers the yeah. other night. So I think with that aspect right there, that's going to be dangerous. Where's that game at? Is it in Chicago? This says at Raiders, P. Oh, is that, that Raiders? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But that should be interesting, and I would be shocked if that's not a close football game. Would be shocked. Really okay. would be. All right. Don't so, know who I'm going to pick yet. i got to think okay. about that one. Yeah. So it's only Wednesday, right? Yeah. It's Wednesday? Yeah, I, have it's to, I have to start getting my head wrapped around these things. So, because Florio's going to be waiting for I you. I do on, the podcast tomorrow. tomorrow? Yes, yeah, tomorrow. tomorrow. So I literally every week, I'm so into last week, and I'm like, watch him, Phil, watch him, Phil, yeah. watch him, Phil. And Pete comes into my office. Pete, dim a little, little light like this. Yeah, yeah. And we start talking about this pod, and he's like, all right, so let's look forward. And I'm always like, I, wait, who's playing this week? I don't know anybody. I, I don't know any of the matchups yet as, other than our own Sunday night Kansas City right? you know, know. Buffalo game. So <laughs> I got to start thinking about next week a little bit more as this day goes on. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Interesting dynamic inside the building here at NBC Sports today because on one, you got so many Yankees fans like yourself. Yes. Sorry for right. what happened last night. So there's Fuck a, you, Paul. <laughs> a little bit. Of, I grew up a Cubs fan. Yeah. Had to suffer through all those right. for all those years. I, right. I, I don't feel too bad for any Yankees yep. fan. But you have that feeling. But you ha- you also have the Giants and the Jets winning yeah. for the first time over the weekend. So yeah. there's reasons to be up and reasons to be down well, from there's the definitely fan reasons standpoint to be down. here. There's a lot of Red Sox fans in this building, too. And I mean, our boss is from Boston. I so know. He, if you're like from Boston, he's like, hired. You can work here at NBC. <laughs> Wait, where, you don't know anything about TV? Doesn't matter. You're a Red he's, Sox fan, a Patriots fan? Come on. But, but he's real shy about letting his oh, Boston yeah, of course. sports fans You know fan those Boston sports fans. They're real shy. You'd never know. They're, all, they're every bit as obnoxious as the New York sports fans. Let's begin with some good news for the Jets. Yeah. Jets win. Woo, woo, woo. Zach Wilson making some pretty big-time throws in the second half. 27-24 over Tennessee in overtime. Jets, like, I couldn't be more proud of the Jets, I think, just in the fact of, like, yeah, you know, I know Robert Sala and from his days with Shanahan, and, like, I just think he's a really good football coach and has a great way of communicating and his energy rubs off on the team. I mean, first off, their defense plays good every week. Every week. And there's no Marcus May, no LaMarcus Joyner, no Jared Davis, no Carl Lawson. What would that defense look like if they mm. had those four guys right there? That'd be better. scary. Yeah. Right. So that I look at that, how they compete there. Offensive side of the ball, like doing a lot of really good things. And this is where I want to like get into people a little bit about like context does matter when we talk about these quarterbacks. First off, I know Zach Wilson's been, you know, a little all over the place. I get that. I've stayed firm and I like his look, as you know. And out of all the quarterbacks, nobody's being asked to affect the game or carry the offense out of all the rookie quarterbacks more than Zach Wilson. Hmm. Nobody. The degree of difficulty of throws he's being asked to make on a play-by-play basis is way greater than anybody else in football. Now, maybe he doesn't have the all the plays that Mac Jones is running up in New England, but you know they're asking Mac Jones to just – Hey, you know, five yards here, six yards here. Our system's great and just execute. He threw like 90% of his balls. He played great. Played great. But like in a little box exactly. in the middle of the field. Exactly it. right. Yeah. The Jets, you turn them on any week, they're going, we, we need the 103 fastball, yeah. paint the corners against the best teams and, you know, best batters in baseball, whatever. I'm just trying to give them an analogy. Which you know one of those saying? two you, you think is more being um, like the, the rookie year will be better for which quarterback if they keep executing those kind of offenses well I mean Zach Wilson to me still is the greatest arm talent of all these guys and the greatest ability to within the pocket make the jaw dropping oh my gosh look at that laser throw where he changed this week as he stopped trying to be Johnny pocket passer Hmm. that's the one thing he had missed the first few weeks where you're just going I know they're telling you to go through the reads and stand and then you're trying to please Mike LaFleur and look I can go through the reads and be a quarterback. But man, we fucking drafted you at two because you're a baller and you make plays when shit's not open. Right. And that's what I saw from him this week that I loved. And he got a little confidence like in the second quarter. He hit a deep out to the right and a deep out to the left. 
and it's like it took the pressure off yeah. him. And he just threw strikes from there on out, and it was really cool to see. Let's look at his best play. I mean, yeah. there were a lot of really good ones, yeah. but it was tied at 17 about halfway through the fourth quarter, and he finds Corey Davis. Um, it's just a thing of beauty. If you fell in love with his talent in the spring, right. this is his best play yet. No, no doubt. And he has some really unbelievable plays in this game. And, and again, this is where I want to – the degree of difficulty of throw they're going to ask him to make here again, even before he waves the guy deep, and we'll show all that. But, you know, they're not running the ball that well. I mean, for them to win, Zach Wilson has to make plays every week, period. You know, and, and so we'll see where that goes. But let's let's check this one out because, hey, they're, they're a play-action team. That's what they want to do. And LaFleur, you know, of course, his brother likes play-action. Shanahan, where he coached from, he likes play-action. But what he does d- 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 more towards his brother, because he's got Rodgers, is he throws the ball outside the numbers, like I've talked about with Shanahan, where I wish they would throw the ball outside the numbers more. So here we go. Let's break it down. Oh, man, my hip is annoying. <laughs> if anybody's wondering why I'm holding the mic as I'm sitting <laughs> Playing in the chair, her. I can't bend over all the way. So, all right. Let me go. Oh, I laugh because I empathize, buddy. Oh, my gosh. It's so annoying. All right. Let me get to this the right way. All right. So. You know, normal play here. Let me just get back a little farther. Normal play here, you know, fake fake weak side zone. Tight end's going to come over here, right? It's really like off of a, hey, we like to run the zone cutback, right? We hope to get everybody flowing this way. Lyman come this way. Tight end kicks out this defense end, and he can find a cutback lane, right? Like certainly a staple of this offense or, or Shanahan and McVay. Uh, uh, all those guys from that coaching tree. And within that, they're going to do – this is um, – let me make sure I got this right. I think this is Keelan Cole. He's going to run like a 20-yard out route, all right? 20-yard out route, Jamison Crowder on a shallow cross, Corey Davis on a deep cross, all right? So here's just, again, a, an example of going like pretty high degree of difficulty to throw. Hey, we'd like you on the run to throw a 20-yard <laughs> out route, and if he's not open – Hit the 20-yard crosser on Good the luck. run. No big deal. Yeah. No big deal. And to me, that's where I go, like, context matters about how they're asking or what they're asking of that player. So let it unplay here a little bit, right? That's not me drawing. That's the telecast. Uh, that, that's the last circle. All right, right here. Now, listen, I'm, I'm not going to lie. He probably could have put it on this guy. That's his first read, right? It's really one to two to three over here. That's, so he, that's his first read. Is he running read. like a 30-yard comeback? It, it is, it's, I think they snapped the ball at the 50-yard line. So 20, okay. So he's running the 20-yard out route, like I was saying. Yeah, 22-yard. 22-yard out route. Right. So, again, like those little context clues tell you what they think of the player, though. That's and, where he's, and he's 10 yards, he being Zach, 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage. He's 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage running to his right. Yeah. And they're going, wait, you can do this. No problem. Right? So that's where I go, like, hey, I like the look, and they obviously do because he's obviously doing these things in practice to give them the confidence right. to go call it. All right, so now let's get to the cool part because he made so many really cool plays. All right, so this is what I want to show first off. Here's the point. All right, let me just get back a little. This. Look at the point. All right, he's pointing. Look at where Corey Davis is. I mean, there's Janoris Jenkins, Right? I mean, I think what I'm more impressed by is the, the kids got kahunas or yeah. guts to just go, wait, I played some football, and I can unleash this thing. And I think if you just go, we'll out-throw we'll out the coverage here. Yeah. And 
first off, I think the most amazing thing is he does it on, and I'm going to do it this way because I'm a lefty. He doesn't like set up and then go boom and really hitch into it. He kind of just stops and goes, huh? Yeah. Like, like what? Like that's, that's freaky. I just right before he got hit too. Right before he got hit. Yeah. It just, but it's freaky. He just stops. He doesn't really take a gather power hitch step to let me unleash this. I'm just going to plant my foot in the ground and turn my shoulder and throw it 60 yards 60 in the yards, air. Yep. Yeah. So, boom. And, I mean, again, when he unleashes this, you know, he's got him by a step. Half. You see Janoris Jenkins there, half a step. You're right. It's half a step. But he throws an absolute dime perfect i mean perfect without really gathering a huge part of the football game again you know again what i want everybody to look at is just you know here let's let's just focus on how he like he kind of gets back into this position because i think that's really cool and again this is a very short list of people who could do that right there yeah it's very short list that's mahomes it's allen it's rogers you know I'm not even sure Russell Wilson can do it to that extent. And I, you know I think the world of Russell Wilson. But it, yeah. it's, it's that special to be able to just get it up and out like you that. You know what it made me think of, to, aside from just being happy for the yeah, kid? right. In the spring, at these pro days and the combine when we're able to see it, yeah. people will kind of chuckle and laugh at, oh, Zach Wilson rolled out to his left and was kind of falling down and threw it 65 yards downfield. Who cares? He's never going to do that in the game. Yeah, that's always the bullshit talking. We point. have seen examples, I think, from Justin Herbert last year as well. Same yeah. kind of thing where right. you, you watch, you're like, wait a second, 60 yards downfield, that ball's not falling apart. No. He's putting it where he wants, right. no matter where his balance is going. Right. So that didn't make Zach a great quarterback that he could do that when he did his pro day. But it does show up. It does matter. A hundred percent. When people are raving, people really know what they're looking for. Yeah. Are raving about what they see in a pro day because sometimes it shows up on Sunday. And it changes the game. Exactly. And it wins a game. And An that's what it did. Game. Yeah. And it won the game in this one. I mean, really, this was I had like this was hard to pick a play this week because he also had the other play where he it's a third down, he scrambles to his right and throws another yes. sixty yard laser yeah. down the right sideline. Yep. You know, there should have been a, a touchdown, but Keelan Cole kind of like just wanted to make sure he caught it. You know, that, the overtime corner route throw he throws to Keelan Cole, where not only recognizing the coverage and knowing that's messed up, but throws a beautiful touch, like 30-yard corner route perfectly. You know, listen, I know Zach Wilson's my favorite of all the quarterbacks and all that, but I, I, again, I'm not going to get off of it yet. It, it, to me, it's it's still the most talented thrower of this draft, and he doesn't seem to waver in his confidence or, uh-huh. yeah. or be a deer in the headlights, even through the struggles. And I, I respect that about him, especially here in New York. Jets fans are appreh- apprehensive to, to get too confident, so they're probably <laughs> hedging their bets a little bit. But they play the Falcons yeah. in London this weekend. Right. Two in a row could be coming, right? It could be. I mean, they can beat the Falcons 100%. There's no doubt. With the way their defense is playing, yes. Um, not a great pass rush in Atlanta. You know, it, of course, you know, yeah, the Jets are still learning how to play ball and do all that, but that's another one. I don't know who I'm going to pick, but I probably favor the Jets a little bit in this matchup. I just, the, the only thing is, is, hey, they, they're putting a lot on this kid. They're putting a lot on him. They're asking him to make plays to win the game because it's the only way they can right now. 
They're not quite good. Pete asked me, he goes, why? Yeah. Because they're not quite good enough to be able to say, we're just going to stay consistent with the run. Our defense is good, but we're not creating turnovers and going to win the game with our defense yet. Do you think they're, they're doing him a disservice long term by expecting so much right now? No, I don't think they are. I don't think they're going crazy. The one thing I'll say is, even when they're not running it great, they keep running it. They don't like, go, hey, let's just drop him back and let him get fucking killed. Like we saw Joe Burrow last year. Yeah. So I do think they're very aware of what they're doing that way. But I also think they're going, damn, this is one of the – a little bit like you hear me say with the Bears. This is one of the blue chip things we got of our offense is this guy's ability to make, like, game-changing throws. So we don't want to abandon that just for, like, oh, we're going to cuddle him and he might lose his confidence. I think they know the kid's not – I think they know he's confident. And Clearly. He can do this. Right, yeah. right. With, with the way they're calling the games and, like you said, his confidence, just not knowing him at all – but just the way he's carrying himself out there yeah. from the start of the game to the end, it's pretty impressive. Yep. So as well as Zach Wilson played, I, I don't even know if you can say he was the best New York quarterback this weekend, though. Probably not. Giants beating the Saints in overtime. How about this? Daniel Jones, 28 out of 40 for 402. 402. A couple of touchdowns. And, like, let me just say, like, a lot of just great throws. It wasn't, you know, good game plan design plays. But, again, I think a game plan where they asked him to make a lot of high – Jason Garrett got people open. I'm not even trying to say that. I'm, I'm just more trying to say they 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 high-degree difficulty of throws. It wasn't like he was throwing six-yard slants over the middle. It was 20-yard no. out route, 15-yard comeback, 50-yard post, go route up the sideline, you know, switch release wheel route up the sideline, 30-yard gain. So, again, that to me matters. And it also obviously shows they think he can do it and be Danny Dimes on a consistent basis. So that was really impressive. How badly did he need that kind of performance, you think? I just think the whole team did. I mean, everybody in New York was so on the Giants here last week. I mean, it was just, you know, they were getting killed for blowing that loss against Atlanta. Um, So I think that was big for him, Joe Judge. Everybody take the pressure off a little bit. Um, You know, really awesome game. uh, Here's the thing that I'll just say that I don't understand a little bit about the game, right? And it's not Giants-related. This is Saints-related. And I, I last week said I thought the Giants could keep this game close and that they matched up really well with the Saints. I picked the Saints to win, I think, 20-17. to 17. But what I didn't understand about the game watching it back was New Orleans' defensive approach hmm. was very aggressive. Like they were playing like the 93 Cowboys running the football. Where you're going like, Aren't they normally pretty aggressive? They're pretty aggressive, but like – can be smart aggressive where this it was so many single safety looks and like they were trying to stop Saquon Barkley in the run game and I'm like they haven't run the ball on fucking anybody what are you selling out to stop it for like show me they can move your awesome defensive front first before you start committing people and playing that aggressive there I did not understand that approach by them and the pass to run was three to one for the Giants anyway exactly right they they realized they couldn't run the ball you know, early on in the game, they it's it's kind of the same thing with the Giants. They got to Daniel Jones. They were around him a lot. It wasn't pretty on the offensive side of the ball. But, like, I'll go to a phrase my dad always says, how many times can you rush the passer? And they just kept dropping back, and slowly they kind of wore the Saints front out, and they couldn't quite get there. And here's the other thing that's just different about the Giants right now. They got some people that you want to play man-to-man and one-on-one or single safety. Yeah. You, you better check your ass at the door because Kadarius Toney looks like he's coming alive. 
Galladay's for real. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Ross. You, you, Playing well. You, yeah. I mean, John yeah. Ross, take your chances. You want to bump and run him too many times? See how that works out for you. Yeah. And then I don't even think we didn't even have Darius Slayton last week, right? So, you know, from that aspect, that's where I just didn't understand the Saints' approach. I really mm-hmm. didn't. That that was uh, kind of confusing to me. To, to pay off what you said about Galladay and Tony, I mean, back up a few months, everybody was saying, they have to go out and spend money on a receiver and free agency. Yeah. They got Galladay. They yeah. have to get one early. Right. They got Tony. Right. 12 catches a buck, 94. Boom. It's only one game. But if you're really into how a team is put together and what they're looking to get or what they knew they had to have, yeah. that's a pretty good game. Yeah, 100%. The play we're going to tee up here now, fourth quarter, they're trailing 21 to 10. I know. So the, the numbers are great anyway uh, for Jones. But when you consider they came back in that fourth quarter down double digits, this is fourth quarter, a little over seven minutes left, and the Giants with the ball. And like – like, like, why? Why? I'm going to go back to why are we playing like... Straight man cover zero. Just Yeah, well, it's, there's a single safety deep. There is a single safety deep. He's way back there. Yep. But like, w- but why? <laughs> I mean, they, they, it's, it's 21-10. Make them nickel and dime you and take four minutes off the clock if they want to go down and score a touchdown. Like, you're up 11. You're up 11. Right? That's what I'm talking about. And your, your team is probably better. So why take those chances? So it's a double whammy here, and then we're going to get to the top of the screen with Marshawn Lattimore, where I'm going to go, why is he taking this chance on top of this? So it's like, why Dennis Allen play this defense? Why Marshawn Lattimore play the coverage like this? And, and this is, again, I think this is a, it's a cover three look, right? It's, it's like a three match look, I'm pretty sure. Because Lattimore, you know, man to man on Barkley, no, that's not going to happen. So, but they're playing cover three. It's single safety, regardless, regardless. And simple play here, and the Giants do this a lot, where they get the slot receiver up top here, and he might, he's got an option route where he can sit or break out, and maybe some weeks even break in, right? And they, do, they like to throw this a lot. So that's what Marshawn Lattimore is thinking. He's going, wait, I'm film all week. You know, I, I see them do this a handful of times every game. And this is... This is Saquon Barkley out here. They're not going to really throw to Saquon on a real route, right? He's kind of playing that percentage. And that's where I get back to this guy because this is an awesome play. Like, there's nothing about pre-snap right here that says, like, oh, this is a Saquon play. Saquon's just clearing it out. That's all So they can do this and get five yards and be in second and five, right? But as we see here, as we'll see, Dan, Daniel stares it down over there. And you see Marshawn Lattimore flatfoots it for a second. He shouldn't be doing that. He should be running back. You know, you give this up here. You let these guys pursue and make the tackle and give up the five-yard game. You do. That, that's just bottom line, basic principles of this defense. He takes a little chance peeking there. You know, and it looks like Danny really stared him down hard. And, of course, he sees what the other thing that he sees is he sees the quick drop. It's just a one step, right? One step, like, now get settled. He's not just looking off. He's going to the tight end. He's going to the tight end. But he has enough vision and he's played enough now to go, wait, that corner shouldn't be sitting there like that. He shouldn't be sitting like that flat-footed here, reading me like that. And once he sees that, Boom, Boom, right over. And, man, Saquon, I'm not going to say he's got all four rocket boosters up his ass firing up, but three and a half of them are the way he ran this game. At least three. He's got them going. And that was really cool to see. And just, again, it was – 
they won the game because of Daniel Jones. Yeah. Period. It was a great read. And I wish, I hope people continue to see that because, I, you know, again, I know we're in the era of you lose, it's the quarterback's fault. And I want to go, no. Daniel Jones is one of the best players in the Giants. Yeah. It just, can they continue to protect, grow the offense? He'll get, he's getting better and better. Mm-hmm. He is. And uh, we'll see where it goes. But that was a big time victory for them on the road. And one other subtle thing about that touchdown. Yeah. As you just showed, as we saw, I mean, he was going with that five-yard out route in yes. his mind. Yes, And w- one thing I remember Brian Billick always saying that my, my summer with the Vikings, set your feet for the hardest throw. You're likely not going to throw the deep out or the push route, but set your feet for the hardest throw. You can always come out and you can fall down yeah, in a five-yard exactly out route. Yeah, exactly right. So exactly he had right. his feet, his balance in such a way where, wait a second, I noticed that, boom, I can throw it 40 yards downfield. It's a great point by you. He played it true to form. You know, again, it's taught that way, not to, like you're saying, set up and look at the five-yard out. Even though you know most times you're not going to throw to the back, the read is to look at that for a second and set up the throw to it to make the defense make sure they go back and respect it so you can throw the five-yard out. And, of course, if that's not there, then you start to go across the field with the rest of the reads. But because he stayed true to form, like we talked about with Mahomes and everything, there, his eyes, his feet were all in the right place, and it ended up to being a one-play 54-yard touchdown pass that got them back in the game and, and, of course, helped them to win the game ultimately. I'm sure it's a play that made his offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett, very proud. Thinking about Garrett and the Giants. They played the Cowboys this weekend. Yeah. So kind of a – I guess, you know, Jason's been gone for a little while, but I'm sure that game still means a lot to him. He had his best game last season against Dallas, or a very good one. Yeah. Calling the plays. Right. What is the Cowboys defense doing differently this year, and how do the Giants attack it? Yeah, well, the, the Cowboys defense, like we talked about, we a, talked little about bit, a little bit, much, a little bit a while ago, much yeah. better. They really are. The personnel fits the scheme. I think that's the first thing you'd go there. Dan Quinn is just not, you know, Seattle cover three, Seattle cover three, Seattle cover three, Seattle cover three. That's all it was in Atlanta. You know, there is definitely a variety in his defense, and when I watch them on film, I have a hard time figuring out what he's going to call or what they're going to do. So, you know, there's great value in that. Again, I I think unless you have one of the most talented defenses in football, we're out of the era of this is what we do on defense and we're just going to play it and execute it, you know. No, Mm. there's like two or three defenses in football that can do that with their talent. Everybody else, you got to give quarterbacks and receivers a bunch of different looks and the linemen different things to think about because you're just not going to give your defensive players enough of an advantage that way. You know, again, like I'm not like, like, oh, my gosh, the Cowboy defense is great, but some creative blitzes, the two middle linebackers are athletic. I think they're better at covering than maybe I gave them credit for. Um, And – he'll play some man-to-man and and do that, and they challenge you that way to where, you know, like we talked about a little bit before, they're going to make a play or try to force the issue a little bit so their offense isn't off the field for too long. I do think the Giants' defense, we've talked about it before, they're big up front, so I do think they can maybe slow down the run game. I don't know if they can match up. It's going to take a special defensive game plan to stop Dallas, as we know. Dallas's offense is awesome. But I would think they can move the ball on Dallas's defense. As, as, as much as I say Dallas's defense is better and they cover better than I thought man-to-man, I'm not like, oh, it's lockdown central time. I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not there yet. And I think if he continues Danny Dimes to throw the ball that way with those weapons, yeah, they're going to be a pain in the ass. And I, I would think they could keep that game close. I'm not going to say I'm going to pick them to win, <laughs> but they're going to keep it close. Yeah, Giants-Cowboys, one of the best ones coming up this weekend. You know the, the best game Saturday as we wrap it up. You know what's coming up in Iowa City, right? 
It's number four against number three. Oh, was it Penn State, Iowa Penn this State, weekend? Penn State, Iowa. I yeah. couldn't even – I was having a conversation today going, I don't even know who the number three team in football is. I feel like it's – everybody talks about it. It's just Alabama, Georgia, Alabama, I, Georgia, I know, Alabama, right? Georgia. Alabama. So I was literally going, wait, what is the top five? I couldn't – you know, and I'm loosely a college football fan at this point of, of the I year. I think Cincinnati's five. I just saw them this weekend. I mean, that, that, that quarterback is Yeah, he looked nice. pretty damn good. Yeah, good. I know, I know. So, uh, yeah, I'll be tuned in now. What you time would, is that game? What time's kickoff? I think it is a – it's like a time you wouldn't think of. It's like it's a mid noon? to late or, afternoon. No, it's, it's like, like a 3 or 4 o'clock kickoff. Okay, I like that. I'll be settled in by that time yeah. and ready to watch the you ball. You and Florio should pick it. I know, you know he he respects Pennsylvania football. He's right, from right there. Right, yeah. You would pick the Hawkeyes for me. What's your assessment on the matchup? I, I think I was going to win by double digits. Do you? Well, yeah. you had no choice but to say that. Yeah, but yeah, seventeen seven, seventeen seven, maybe fifteen to five. So Iowa their defense comes up with is like, that like they're, that. They're really really good. Wow, that's cool. Really good. All right, I'm glad to see. That. I like that kind of football. Take the under. Yeah, and I will cover. Okay. All yeah. right. You heard it here first. Yep. Paulie the Shark said, take the under. <laughs> Maybe, a Iowa cover. <laughs> Maybe a new segment. Maybe a new segment. Come Paul- on, Hawkeyes. More. Stephon Gilmore. Oh, I was right. Yes. Stephon Gilmore traded from New England so they, to who? The Carolina Panthers. Oh, wow. Yep. I was, that was one of the first teams I brought up today on PFT because during the show today, yeah. we came out with um, – it was breaking news, like halfway, like they're going to release Stephon Gilmore. Obviously, yeah. they didn't get to the releasing point. They didn't file all the paperwork because once teams heard, they were like, wait, don't send that into the league yet. We'll trade for him. What'd they get for him, Pete? Do we yeah, know? Yeah, I would like to know that too. But big time move by them. Yeah. You know, they lost J.C. Horn. I was going to say, Carolina a little Traded for C.J. Henderson. Yeah. And now you got this guy coming to town, you know, for not a ton of money. I mean, big time. And... If you want to play Dallas or beat Tampa or beat the Rams and you get in the playoffs, you better have some cover corners in the NFC. Yeah. NFC is better and more talented than I thought it was going to be. I thought the AFC was going to be like the Kings. Yeah. AFC's got a lot of flash, but maybe not all the you know, a lot of sizzle, but not enough steak as compared to the NFC, and that's where it's a, a little different. Pete, did you just say a 2023 six-round pick? God, that seems like not a, not a lot. That's crazy. I'm a little surprised that by that. Yeah. I uh, But I, I would think the teams that wanted them probably were in a little bit of a cap issue. And Got Carolina, him, David yeah. Pepper, David Tepper's pockets seem to run through the ground and into the core of the earth. They're never ending. So I don't think he cares about money. If, if you're a backup corner for Carolina, you're looking around being like, what do they think of me? They traded for C.J. Henderson. <laughs> they I traded mean, for Gilmore. And then they got A.J. Bouye. Yeah. And then – you know, Jackson, Dante Jackson. I mean, it's not a bad group altogether. Yeah. But they're going for it. Yeah. You know, when you're only – I thought maybe Buffalo would try to make a play for him because, I, like I was just saying, yeah. I think they need the cover corner. You know, I would like to see Buffalo make one move before the trade deadline's over uh, just to bring at that up. Corner? Yeah, at corner or even – I think they need another receiver. Mm. I think they need – like, you're in it. You're in the Super Bowl window. You Clearly. can win it this year. Yeah. I, I, I do think they need one more player to put them over the edge. Huh. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. But, man, that's a big-time move yeah. by the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Wow. wow. Way to go. Yeah, way to go. All right. There's a show. That's There's a show. show. That's a show. That's yeah. it. It's not a show until you say that. I know. Good that is your saying. You have to do that. Take care of yourself. I will. I'm going All to right. get therapy here in a minute. Okay. All right. I'm 41 going on 75 with my right hip here. Um, but hope everybody enjoyed that. That was the What the Fuck Happened podcast. Chris Sims Unbuttoned, presented by Under Armour. 
The only, only way is, is through. through. That's yeah. right. And uh, Paulie, you the man. Good Thanks for driving you. the ship as always. You got it. Peace out. Check us out tomorrow. Me and Florio, PFTPM, Chris Sims on Button Collaboration, Picks Podcast. Wasn't my best week last week. Wasn't I touted? I touted my own horn, tooted my own horn. You did a little bit, and it didn't. And, and yeah. they just the karma was like, "Hey, fuck you, Talk Chris. You Come back down to earth." All right, you're just like the rest of us gambling. Uh, all right, so tune into that. Peace out, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week. How bad were you? The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.